Experiencing life through the eyes of a child is to see the world with an intensity and excitement to learn long since lost in most adults. Do the secrets to life fulfillment exist in this simple mindset shift? And would this help define what is a good life? Welcome to season two, episode nine of the Evolve Faster podcast. I'm Scott Ely. Checkmate, a child's guide to the good life. The car felt like a cage. It wasn't small, but filtering it through the lens of her new understanding of this supposed reality made the vehicle feel like a prison. Glancing up at the sky, she mused that it might as well have steel bars crossing from horizon to horizon. She looked out the window at her grandmother's house. Clenching the wheel, her lip gave a sudden, uncontrollable twitch as she breathed in deeply, trying to relax. Calm down, Sam. Calm down. You're alive. You're real. Your world is a simulation, but you are real. But was she? Her peripheral vision caught a glimpse of an arm waving. Mommy! As Sam looked in the rearview mirror, she tried to shake off the dread, wondering how long Maya had been trying to get her attention. I'm sorry, honey. What did you say? Mommy, I said, why do you look so sad? Maya dramatized each word, as only a five-year-old can. For the first time in the last 24 hours, Sam's laugh broke the spell of her existential dread. Talk about real. Looking at her daughter's curious face, Sam decided she had nothing to lose. Oh, honey, mommy is bothered by something she just learned at work. Imagine you had a big computer that could perfectly create people just like mommy, the sky, trees, and even your pup-pups. It would be so real, it could create a girl just like you. You wouldn't even know you were part of the game. That Maya would also love dogs and be excited to go see her Yaya right now. She shook her head at how absurd it felt to even say it aloud. Like a video game? Can I play it? Can I pick what kind of bike I'd ride? Sam laughed again, sort of honey, except that Maya wouldn't really have the ability to choose anything at all. She'd be... Sam trailed off, unable to tell her daughter she was nothing more than lines of computer code. But why, Mommy? There it was. Why? Sam's nails turned white on the steering wheel. She couldn't find solace in her own words, but the pain of over-tightening her grip gave her some sense of peace, even if the pain wasn't real. Why would someone, something, do this? Even a five-year-old could see the futility. Maya's high-pitched voice, one of Sam's favorite sounds in the world, broke her chain of thoughts again. Mom, can I go in and see Yaya now? She's teaching me chess. Sam turned to look at Maya directly. The mirror seemed like one false abstraction too far. The innocent smile, combined with her enthusiasm, made Sam look at her as if she were an unsolvable riddle. How did they create this? And why? Sam recognized the blue eyes, the missing tooth in the lower right corner, and her unique little nose that looked like an amusement park slide. No matter how hard she tried, she couldn't shake it. Maya wasn't real, and neither was she. What was real? What was outside of all this. Sam tried to smile. 
Yes, honey, go to the house. Yaya should be there. Looking at Maya running, Sam almost wished her tiny body would disperse in a cloud of code. At least that would give her some acknowledgement of this cognitive dissonance. But she just looked as real and as perfect as ever. Sam adjusted the mirror to look herself in the eye. Even as a physicist who'd been studying the nature of reality for 30 years, every minute since her aha moment the evening before made her feel one step further from sanity. Besides Maya, only her husband Will knew the truth of what she'd discovered. Speaking aloud felt more real, yet it also felt like she was confessing her sins. Okay, get a hold of yourself. Maybe what you saw was an illusion. There's no way you're in a simulation. There aren't computers powerful enough to create one. But she knew this wasn't true anymore. The government's Solarius Quantum Data Center was the size of a small city, and the speeds of each server were rumored to be billions of times more powerful than all of the Google data centers combined had been at their peak in the early 2020s. Quantum computing rewrote the definition of what was possible. Running through the knowledge of physics and math she'd gathered over the last 30 years, Sam tried to reason an unreasonable scenario. But what if the simulation is a fabrication of the outer world rules? That means it's all fake and everything's a lie. A cold shiver went down Sam's spine as her lungs readied for a scream. How long had she been refusing to accept that a simulation was now technologically feasible? And the implication of that realization, when projected forward, was clear. The likelihood that she happened to be in the one source reality had a probability of zero. Even though she'd been chasing an understanding of reality for a lifetime, she was never willing to take seriously this idea. It was right in front of her all along. She moved the mirror back into place and looked up at the sky. I won't carry this weight anymore. I can't do this. I have to quit. As she turned off the car, an iridescent butterfly descended onto the car's windshield wiper. Sam watched as it sat still. Its wings slowly flapped open and then shut, open, then shut. And then, as quickly as it arrived, it was gone. Come on, Yaya, you promised we would play chess. Entering the house, Sam heard the joyful nagging, followed by a warm reply. Okay, Maya, go out to the backyard and prepare the board so we can play after we eat. I need to finish making lunch and speak with your mother. Seeing Mary caught Sam by surprise. Where there was once an old face full of life and redness in the cheeks, she now saw a dry figure with thin arms and sallow skin. When had she last visited? Months? Guilt flushed Sam's face. Her intense focus on her work had even kept her away from the person who helped her more than anyone else in life. Graham, are you okay? Mary stretched her arms towards Sam. That's no way to greet your grandma. Come here, honey. In the comfort of her grandma's arms, Sam's panic attack crept back in. I'm not real, she thought. So why do I feel these feelings? Were these emotions hard-coded? Or had they evolved from some kind of deep machine learning? Sam sat in a chair as her grandmother went back to cooking lunch. 
The smell of sautéed onions and baking bread entered Sam's nose and filled her with comfort. Being purposefully mindful of her own body, she observed a cascade of physiology happening without any conscious control. She felt her mouth begin to create saliva, and she almost licked her lips. How can this not be real? She bit her lip to curb the avalanche of questions, doubt, and uncertainty. Mary shuffled towards her, resting her body in a chair right next to Sam. What's wrong, Sam? Sam looked down, squeezing the arms of the chair just as she had the steering wheel. She couldn't hide her feelings from Mary. They were too close. But how could she drop this nuclear bomb on a woman in her 90s who hated even basic technology? At least Maya could envision it and hopefully just forget about it. She tried it on in her head. Hey, Graham, great news. I've spent my whole life seeking an answer to the riddle of reality, and I solved it. Are you ready for the most depressing news ever? You're not real. Maya is a fake great-granddaughter. Nothing is real. Our world is a simulation. I don't know how or why any of this exists, but we're no better than a video game. Sam closed her eyes, then looked up at Mary. Graham, I'm, I'm quitting. I can't go on any longer. Losing my funding and ability to continue must have been a sign from... Sam stopped afraid of what she might say. Verbalizing her decision felt like vomiting. Color flashed back into Mary's cheeks. What are you saying, Sam? You can't. Graham, I think the government shut down my lab for a reason. To continue now would not only be illegal, but it would take even more of my time. I've already missed too much. I didn't even know Maya likes playing chess. Is my sanity and my family really worth sacrificing for this? Sam waved her hand and looked around the room, her face a visual dismissal of the contents of reality. The older I get and the more roadblocks presented to me, the less I see this as a fair trade. She was used to Mary's disappointed face being directed at Sam's mother, Sarah. But it had been a while since it was so laser-focused on her. I just can't believe what I'm hearing, Sam. You have been a rare exception in a world that has given up, especially after all the talks we've had about the downward spiral of creativity and drive and ethic in this strange post-work world. A wave of exhaustion swept over Sam. Even if she thought Mary could understand, she knew she wouldn't even have the strength to convince her. It was too much for anyone to handle. Mary continued, you think I wouldn't understand, but you know what I've endured. You say you're quitting to reset the clock with your family, but I can see that it's fear, something I've never seen on your face before, not even when you were a teenager. Sam was paralyzed, unsure why she thought Mary would do anything but read her like an open book. But Graham, look at you. I haven't seen you for so long, and... Mary cut her off. Yes, it's quite clear what's happening. I'm dying. That doesn't mean you're allowed to feel grief and quit. Quitting the physics research you've been working on for decades won't help me or anyone. I know how important it is. Besides, it isn't for you to decide. The path you chose was to serve humanity to provide them the truth at any cost. A tear fell from Sam's eye, landing on the table. She knew it, but somehow hearing Mary admit she was dying felt like a knife thrust into her heart. 
her grandmother was Sam's most consistent influence. She suddenly realized that Mary was probably the best friend she'd ever had. But how? Mom pulled her connections to get you on the list for the life extension procedure. At least with her high-level position in the government, she can finally do something to help you. Also, Will told me the statistics averaged around 20 years or more. I don't understand how... I removed myself from the damn list, Sam. There are more important things in life and others who deserve to be on that list before someone who's nearly a century old. I'm sorry, I thought you knew. But 20 years is nothing compared to learning the nature of reality. I'm not sure I'm following you, Graham. I'm saying that I... I gave all my life extension savings to your research. Will told me you could continue your work in that virtual world if you had funding to pay scientists there. Sam covered her mouth with her hand, her eyes wide. The three years since she anonymously received the money replayed in Sam's mind. Mary continued, I never thought I'd have to say it to you because I didn't think there would be a need. And don't ask me to take the money back. Even your mother finally realized what was right. Sam felt the pull at the top of her pants. Mom, will you play chess with me? Come on, I already prepared the board under the tree. Come on, Mom. Sam felt immovable, like a statue. Um, I'm talking to Yaya, honey, maybe later. No, go and play with your daughter. More time with your family is what you say you need. I'll call you when lunch is ready. White flowers covered the dogwood tree in the corner of the yard like a blanket of snow. Sam's shoulders relaxed just being close to it. A tapestry of memories under the tree, talking with Mary at every phase of her life, flooded her mind. Next to the mature tree was a smaller one, and next to that, one recently planted. Sam imagined Mary telling Maya she'd grow as strong as the new tree when planting it together just as she'd said to her so many years ago. She'd missed so much. The white flowers had a strong fragrance. The scent rekindled the existential dread from the car. How could these emotions and sensations not be real? Stop it, she thought. Don't ruin this for Maya. She picks up on everything you're thinking. Besides, whether she feels happy or sad doesn't matter anyway. Everything about her is nothing more than quantum calculations. Maya sat waiting at the same small table she'd sat at hundreds of times with Mary. Mom, let's play. Sam smiled at the pieces that were scattered across the board. But honey, you didn't arrange the pieces at all. No, Mom, Yaya always prepares the pieces and then asks me the questions. Sam sighed. How could she have spent so much time hunting for everyone else's reality while she let her own go so neglected? She swept the pieces from the board and started digging through the pile. Taking one white pawn and one black, she placed them diagonally from one another. Then she placed the black king and the white queen in their original positions. Okay, honey, you're white, what can you do? Maya picked up the white queen and pulled it across the board, sending the king toppling off the table. Not sure why she thought her five-year-old actually knew how to play chess, Sam picked up the pieces. And then I kicked this one out. Maya giggled as she took the black pawn in the same way. Yes, that move is correct. Well done. Sam wasn't sure if the correct move was on purpose, 
but she realized it didn't matter. Maya was having a lot of fun. Do you enjoy playing with? Maya cut her off. Does the little girl have a mom and dad? And a yaya? Sam pulled back her head, and her forehead wrinkled. Was she talking about the simulation discussion they had in the car? It couldn't be a question about chess. Maya was still looking at the board, playing with the White Queen, but Sam could see she was waiting for an answer. Marveling at how smart and perceptive kids are, Sam chose her next words. Yes, she does. And they all love each other very much. But just like the girl, they aren't her real mom and dad. They're also just imaginary. They, but if they aren't her mom and dad, then who is? She has to have a daddy and a yaya. No, you see, the little girl isn't, Sam froze, tilting her head up to think. Maya was right. Who is the girl's mom and dad? Every simulation has to have a creator or a programmer or a god. No, she'd gotten so wrapped up in feeling sorry for herself at carrying the weight of this information. She hadn't thought about the most important question, or was it? She ground her teeth together. Somewhere out there, there's a human or some other being playing with Sam's world as if it were a toy or a game, inducing suffering. And for what? To see what would happen? What do you think, Maya? If you were that little girl in the computer, would you want to talk to your real mommy and daddy? Maya put the black king in the middle of the board. I love you, mommy. Sam laughed. It was almost as if Maya were astute enough to remind her that life was far from being all suffering. Well, mommy thinks she would want to talk to them. Grabbing pawns with both of her hands like a pile of sand, Maya scrambled the figures around the board, almost toppling the lone king. But why? You already have a mommy. Sam ran her fingers through Maya's silky hair. Yes, but then mommy could ask many questions that she couldn't ask her own mom. She could ask why she was put into the computer without being asked if that's okay. And what's the point? And she can ask if Thunder was designed to make little girls like you cry and why. Thunder is scary, Maya said, looking directly at Sam for once. I don't like it. I know, honey. So I think we need to figure out how to talk to them. It looks like Sam stopped, watching Maya as she placed the Lone King in its rightful place, lining up every other piece in a messy cluster in the middle of the board. What are you doing, Maya? I'm winning, Mommy. With her queen in her hand, Maya ripped right through the center of the throng of pieces, tearing a hole in the opposing pieces and knocking the entire formation off the board. The ceramic pieces clinked together before falling silently on the grass below, the king falling last atop the pile. Sam could only shake her head. Maya knew way more about chess and life than she'd given her credit for. Mommy, are you still sad? No, honey. I have you, Daddy, and Yaya. I thought I was sad, but you helped me realize I've had the keys to a good life in front of me all along. Whether any of this is real or not, she thought. Should we play again? Yes, Mommy. Sam watched with her eyes wide as Maya put every piece in its correct starting position. As she straightened the rose, an iridescent butterfly, nearly identical to the one from earlier in the day, alighted atop of the White Queen. Sam was unable to even hear Maya's squeals of delight as she watched it with intense focus. 
Its wings slowly flapped open, then shut, open, then shut, and then, as quickly as it arrived, it was gone again. Sam sat in her home office, looking at a holographic screen filled with data. She wondered how many months had passed since the day Maya had clued her in to what she should do next. Three, four, it didn't matter. Time was no longer relevant. Everything had changed. In the lower part of the screen, data scrolled alongside a graph. The visual showed five spikes, more than doubling in amplitude as time increased. Each spike represented the diameter and relative power of miniature black holes her team was now able to create at will in their virtual accelerator. Each one was now fully maxing out Silk's resources. But if their estimates were right, each one brought them closer to a black hole big enough to tear a sizable hole through the computational power running the simulation they were inside. The next collision and resultant black hole would soon be represented by a sixth spike on this graph. The irony of all this wasn't lost on her. It was clear she'd been trying to ignore the quantum advances in computing over the last decade, which made simulations as complex as the world now possible. She just didn't want to accept that the answer to her 30-year search was so simple. Guess what? It's all fake. What a cop-out. So now, that same computing power was enabling her to tear a hole in the simulation, or hopefully at least threaten it in a real enough way to hopefully get the attention of its maker, whoever or whatever created her world, created it for some reason, and it was hard to imagine they'd allow it to be destroyed. Unless that was the whole point of this game she was in. She pushed the thoughts away. She had to stay focused. Every thought about these aspects of the simulation turned her stomach and nearly made her wretch. As she locked her eyes back onto the scrolling data and collision graph, she repeated the mantra aloud because it always made her laugh. When you gaze long into the abyss, the abyss gazes also into you. When you gaze long into the abyss, the abyss gazes also into you. The idea to use the Nietzsche quote had come from Will, of course. He was the source of much of the joy in her life. He told her to say it whenever the nausea returned. She was staring into the abyss. She was playing with fire. She admired Will so much, nothing ever bothered him. She expected him to think she was nuts when he explained her logic behind the simulation. There was a philosopher named Nick Bostrom from back around the year 2000 who'd evolved and modernized Plato's allegory of the cave in a simple argument. He said one of three things must be true. Humanity would either go extinct, stop creating ever more powerful computers and simulations, or we're already living in a simulation. So after tying this thought experiment to her research data and what she'd witnessed inside Silk, she was now convinced that Bostrom had been right. Will simply said, makes sense. That's it, makes sense as if he'd known all along. Over the next hour, she laid out her logic for why she felt that trying to tear a hole in it was the only logical path they could take. Through her work, she'd found a mistake in the simulation. Unlike this reality, black holes, she theorized, were an accident. 
they weren't a portal to another dimension. They were a hole leading out to the real world. This is how I see it, Will. If I also exist outside of the simulation, then it might be possible for us to break out of it. Maybe that's the point of this game, a sort of transcendence like the religious traditions all espouse. And maybe by escaping it and learning what's beyond it, I can bring back knowledge to make it better in here. Or maybe I'm solely a digital consciousness. John explained to me that he's proved this is possible through computation, or possibly it's just a feature of the physics of our universe. So if I'm conscious, then it's possible that everyone else is fake. And then escaping the simulation is, again, probably the objective of the game. Or if I'm also fake, then I'll probably just be reset now that I've figured it out. Does that make sense? Will smiled and said, the craziest theories are always the best ones, or they're at least the most fun. There's a group of scientists called the Last Thursdayists who mock creationists by saying that the universe itself resets every Thursday. Perhaps they've been right all along. Sam wasn't sure if Will was joking or not. She continued, so the final piece of my logic is simple and also independent of me being real or not. I'm a scientist. It's my responsibility to pursue the truth. Insane as it sounds, if the answer to my lifelong search about the nature of reality is that it's a simulation, then the remaining mysteries of science, the observer effect, quantum entanglement, chaos theory, dark matter, consciousness, they all fit into this paradigm. Will, what I'm saying is, what if the simulation is both the theory of everything as well as the solution to everything we've been searching for in physics for almost a century. The Evolve Faster podcast is written, produced, and performed by Scott Ely. Many episodes are also co-written with the help of Antonio Rosich. It takes an enormous effort to produce all the quality, original content needed for this podcast. Your support would be greatly appreciated, and you can learn about multiple ways to do so by going to evolvefaster.com forward slash subscribe. Here you'll find direct links to review and give the podcast five stars on key platforms like iTunes and share it on social media. These are free to do, but are critical to audience growth. And the only way to find out about new seasons is to register your email, so please do so. You will only receive valuable content and information on upcoming seasons and products. And finally, if you're benefiting from the Evolve Faster podcast, direct financial support at whatever amount you can afford is important for our survival. Running ads on a channel for free thinking content is an inherent conflict of interest. So if you want the podcast content to remain unhindered by commercial interests and stay edgy and raw, then direct support is the best and only path to content independence. Also, writing and production of each episode of the Evolve Faster podcast is a major undertaking spanning many months. It's a labor of love, but it does need your help to survive. So please consider becoming a subscriber at evolvefaster.com forward slash subscribe. Your help and support are greatly appreciated and are what makes this podcast possible. Isn't it time for an upgrade, it's time 
to evolve faster. 